Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, broadcasting live every Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. Central, from Panama City Beach, Florida, home of the world's most beautiful beaches. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining me on my weekly broadcast. Every week, I'll feature some of the best instructors, coaches, authors, and entrepreneurs in the golf business today. I begin with a great discussion on Coach's Corner, followed by an insightful interview with my special guest. So let's get started by introducing tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the uh, regular broadcast of Golf Talk Live. I had a little bit of a, an interesting week, and I'll tell you about that in just a second. But um, we've got a great show for you tonight. Uh, as I said, this is going to be our, our regular Thursday night broadcast from 6 to 8 p.m. Central here uh, where I am, and uh, 7 to 9 for those of you on the East Coast, and I believe 4 to 6 for those of you uh, out on the uh, Pacific Coast. So uh, glad you could join us. Had a very interesting week and got a great show coming up here, and I'm going to introduce... Uh, uh, the group here on the Coach's Corner panel in just a, a, a few moments, but uh, and um, and then I will uh, will begin the discussion. But uh, for those of you that have uh, you know obviously follow the program and that um, we had uh, I had or actually I had a a great uh, I did a special uh, encore broadcast if you will yesterday at 10 a.m. Eastern uh, here on the BlogTalkRadio.com network. I was very fortunate, and very blessed to have one of the true legends of the game, Mr. Gary Player, uh, join me. So if you haven't had a chance. To hear that interview, you definitely want to tune in. Uh, he's just a, a wealth of knowledge and just a, an incredible um, giving man. And uh, he, he spent uh, the better part of the hour uh, with me on the program, on a special program yesterday, which I normally don't do. I, I normally do it, as, as I've uh, mentioned a moment ago, here on Thursday evenings. But I didn't want to bump anybody off uh, the program uh, to make room, so I decided to create a, um, a special encore presentation, if you will. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, uh, not to worry, the program, of course, is always auto-recorded, even though it was live uh, yesterday and currently is live. Uh, but if you go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live or simply type in golf talk live uh, up in the search key that will take you to the main page and just scroll down to the on-demand section and you will see uh, all of the previously aired um, uh, recording uh, broadcasts there and uh, his will be front and center. You'll be able to see it right there. And uh, maybe a little bit later on this evening or sometime through the week, and if you haven't listened to it, uh, I really suggest you do. He's just, a, a, again, a wealth of information. And uh, I'm, I'm doubly excited for uh, a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I was able to do the show yesterday, um, but he very graciously is going to give his time again. So he's actually coming back on the other show that I do next week, next Tuesday morning. He's going to be joining Cindy Miller and I um, on the Women of Golf show. Uh, he's going to be alongside... Uh, a young gentleman that we had queued up, and coincidentally, they uh, are familiar with one another, uh, Steve Colton, who is the VP of Sales and a co-founder of Encore Golf. And, of course, uh, Mr. Player is an ambassador for Encore Golf, so it worked out very, very well. So he's going to be coming back on next week, and that airs uh, here on the same network, but it'll be Women of Golf, not Golf Talk Live. So you go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Women of Golf this time, uh, and that will be from 10 a.m., uh, again, a special edition next week, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern. So you want to make sure you check out that if you missed uh, the, uh, yesterday's broadcast. But either way, you can check them both out there, um, and uh, I think you'll really enjoy uh, some of the discussion that we had. All right, as I mentioned, we've got a great show tonight. I've got a, a very interesting panel, and actually one of the panelists, and I'll explain in a moment, is going to be sticking around for the second half. He's going to be my special guest, 
and of course I'm talking about uh, Peter Agazarian. Uh, he is a, um, a very generous individual and a good, become a good friend. He's the owner and director of performance for Northeast uh, Performance Institute. He's also the owner and president of Northeast Golf Performance. And he was the 2017 uh, Northeastern uh, New York PJ Player Development Award recipient. Uh, he's also a TrackMan master and a proponent group uh, member. And also uh, become a good friend is Jamie Leno Zimron. She is an instructor, body worker, and consultant. And she is also an Aikido six-degree black belt. Uh, she's a Class A LPGA teacher professional, corporate and conference speaker, uh, executive trainer and coach. And she is a speaker for Vistage International and TEC Canada, which is the executive committee. And rounding out uh, the panel is, uh, again, another friend, uh, Sue Weger. She is a number one best-selling international author of Golf, The Last Six Inches, Change Your Brain, Change Your Game. Uh, she's a motivational speaker and peak performance coach. And she is a 24-plus year LBJ Class A golf professional and the owner of Weger Consulting. Um, guys, welcome and thank you for joining me tonight on Coach's Corner. Thank you, Thank Ted. Thank you, Ted. Yeah. Thank you, Ted. All right. I, I appreciate it very much. And, you know, we, we were talking just briefly off air, and, you know, we're all sort of caught up in this, this difficult time right now and, and not sure what's going on. So um, this is really provides us a great opportunity um, to really give some information to the listeners to take advantage of so that we all sort of get through this process and we get back out to sort of our, our regular daily lives. Um, we'll, we'll come out... Um, on the ground running, if you will. Um, tonight, guys, we're going to talk about um, uh, what I put together was five ways to, to get kids into golf. And I'm going to sort of set the parameters here just a little bit, and then we'll, we'll start with the discussion. And I'm going to go in the order that I introduced you, and we'll just sort of keep that order through uh, throughout the discussion. Um, you know, as we know, golf is a game of, of flair and, and patience and with some subtle elements of competitiveness, uh, depending on what level you want to play. Um, excuse me, of course, is always uh, important if you want to succeed in. Um, but um, how do we get our kids in, in golf? And, um, you know, we, we want to get them out there. And we want them to enjoy. And But for many parents out there and, and, and adults that, are, that have children, um, the thought of getting their, their youngster out of the house during school holidays and even on the weekends uh, can sometimes be quite a chore. Uh, and in other words, uh, you know, we don't want to create uh, laziness because and, and, that can seep in very quickly if we don't keep them active. Um, so getting your, uh, the, the kids out of the house is one thing, but playing a sport they know nothing about is another. And the idea of, of golf may sound like a nightmare waiting to happen, but it doesn't have to be uh, that way. So with the introduction of of a lot of different things, a lot of different programs out there, um, golf can be something uh, that can be enjoyed by not just uh, the parents and the adults, but can be enjoyed by the kids as well. So one of the things that, uh, Peter, that I want to start off with is, and I think this is crucial, we're, gonna, we're not going to get into the sort of the teenage years because that's a little bit further development, but obviously we, we're talking about um, from very, very young, maybe up to, let's say, you know, 10, 11, 12, we'll, we'll sort of cap it off there for our discussion for uh, clarification. But one of the things that I think a lot of people need to understand if you're going to get kids in, their, their attention span is very, very short. So if they're, you know, if you're taking them to the golf course, the last thing you want to do is drag them around for 18 holes, um, even if it's just to watch you. Um, so, you know, and, and if some folks maybe don't have a, um, a golf course near them or a practice facility that's handy, 
there's other uh, options they can do to introduce them to games. So talk about first off maybe some ways that, that parents can, can do that, can introduce their youngsters to the game of golf and also maybe touch a little bit about the importance of, again, maybe give some examples of not getting them um, too overwhelmed um, you know, from the get-go by having you know, a, a three or four hour session. Obviously we want to keep it, the time frame short so that they're not getting overwhelmed or, or, or even getting bored um, from doing the same activity. Talk a little bit about those areas. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, Ted. It's, it's, first of all, thanks again for having, having me on, mm-hmm. and I'm glad to be on for the next hour after. But, you know, <clears throat> with at, at MPI, we started three years old, but, you know, we're, you know, leveraging the amazing program from Kate Tempesta with Birdie Basics. She's She's really come out with an, a genius program and um, it has a lot. It's very engaging for that three to five year old that is very accustomed to the structure of the free play environment and that type of, uh, you know, learning through discovering and play. And you really are talking mm-hmm. about an age range that's very based off discovery through play and and unfortunately sometimes a little bit of failure and experimentation. What it's really important to do is, you know, create an environment like that that is going to be safe, engaging, and really create ask you know, what they're constantly going to be asking what's next. You know, you want to have that environment mm-hmm. that's that what's next environment. And you're right. I mean, all of our programs are based to be, have them changing activities every, uh, on the young side, every 10 minutes on the older side, you know, as we're phasing up to that 11, 12, you know, they were, they're in a station for maybe, you know, 18 to 20 minutes. Like, so it's, very short, concentrated, engaging activities with some free time in the middle, some free play, and then and we bookend it with structure. And, you know, as far as the parents goes, it's difficult sometimes because if they're, if you don't have a golfer in your family, basically, whether it's a, a parent, grandparent, uncle, aunt, um, a family friend, a neighbor, there's a lot of times the parents just don't know, you know, would like to expose their children to golf, but don't even know where to start. So it's a huge awareness as, as the professional or as the teacher or as a, as a, an academy or a company, it's, it's really about raising that awareness that such a, that such programs exist you know, such things really are a great way to have, you know, what I think coming out of this is golf is going to be the thing to do. It's going to be the activity. It's going to be the healthy open air, you know, activity mm-hmm. for all ages. And I, I think it's a real positive to come out of this where people are going to be, have a desire to be outside and, and why not introduce them, you know, at, you know, a young age or whatever age they feel like engaging in it. But from that, that three to um, 11, you know, standpoint you're talking about, it's just about 
mm-hmm. you know, short, engage, engaging, fun, safe environment that is going to always, you know, really inspire on that, that question, what's next, what's going to happen next. Well said. Um, and, and you're exactly right. You know, um, Jamie, not everybody comes from um, a golfing background. Not everybody had parents um, that, that played the game, that were introduced to the game. And, um, you know, unfortunately, in, in our society, golf is one of the few games out there that's not really um, as integrated into the school systems as many other sports are. So um, I know there was uh, recent, you may be familiar with it, but there was a, 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 an interesting study that was done out in California at, uh, I think it was the middle school level. And um, a couple of people have mentioned this to me. And one of the things that came back from the study um, when asked, you know, if you had um, the opportunity to choose, you know, whatever you wanted to do as sort of an extra uh, curricular activity uh, outside of school. Um, interestingly enough, not one person raised their hand and, and mentioned golf. And part of the reason is golf is not really introduced at a very, you know, junior level, except for in tournament play. And again, those that have that. So, you know, we want to introduce, as Peter talked about, you know, we want to introduce them, but, um, you know, when they're at that age round, unless they've had some already introduction, you know, we're not taking them out to the golf course and going through the fundamentals and going through all the rules at that point. You know, we have to engage them in other ways. And, and uh, Peter, I just want to acknowledge uh, what you said about Kate Tempesta. She's been a guest a number of times on the show, and you're right. She has a, a, a really great program. But, Jamie, you know, just sort of playing off that in- initial introduction with uh, with children, you know, what are some things that, that you've found to be successful when you're working with such a young age to really in- encourage them and, and kind of get them excited about golf? These are such great questions. I mean, I'm so drawn back to uh, my or starting golf. My parents, I only started playing golf because my parents started playing golf. And we're talking way, way back when in the Midwest. And uh, we, we went to a little par three golf course. Fortunately, it was kind of pretty. It was over Lake Michigan, a little public par three in, in Milwaukee. And, you know, there was no instruction. And we just had a good time. It was like kind of some family time. And it was pretty out there. And, you know, I, I left my clubs, right? There was no carts. I think it's really important that we make it physical. The kids are carrying their clubs. They're, they're trying different shots. They're doing – it's just experiment. It's having fun. It's learning together, in a sense, with mom and dad, not just being taught top-down. Uh, I think that that's really – that was something really, really important. And, um, you know, let, let skills develop, I would say, and, and for sure make it fun and physical, and um, something that I think that we need to be creative. So, for example, something that I teach my adults, actually, is when we talk about the golf swing, when do we talk about use the word swing? Well, we talk about swing sets, right? And so then I talk about a swing set. You have these big, heavy, um, you know, iron things, and they're concrete into the ground. You have to have stability. From that stability, we can have this thing hanging down from the middle. We put our, you know, you sit in there and you can't get started by pulling with your arms. You have to use your feet, right? So now we can start to mm-hmm. get into using your lower body. And then, you know, you go back, you go through, and you pass through that center as much as you go back. And then you let go and you get this acceleration through and back and through. And so then I thought to myself one day, well, I'm, this is a, a very good metaphor for adults. Why do we actually do this with kids? So how fun, and this is, this is what I mean about creativity, and do a golf 
session, especially, you know, younger kids, even bigger kids at 3 to 11, whatever age group, and go to a park. We're on a swing set. Let them swing. Have fun. Talk to them a little bit about what's going on with it. Teach them a little something. And then in the grass in the park next, next to it, you've got your – you know, you got all your, um, you know, fun golf stuff that you can use, right? Um, and there, there are so many great companies that have come out, you know, Swag, all these kinds of things that, that have um, just a lot of fun ways for kids to be, uh, to be learning golf. And so to make that connection, like from a playground, it to it just you so you go and you swing you play in the playground and you learn some principles and about balance and about losing your using your lower body and then just go right over and now let's connect that to making a little swing with a club and and having fun games so i think that those are just some ideas about ways that we can become creative and make golf really interesting it relates to their real lives you know what's a, what's a little kid's real life the playground <laughs> swing set and then connect right. it to golf, that it's, it, it has a lot of sense and meaning, and that you can get a lot of really, really important instructional uh, information to them, but in a way that's at their level that they can relate to, and it makes it fun. And I think it's also really important, I'm sure we'll, I'll probably talk about this more during the session, is to talk about make, how do we make golf cool? Because with kids, mm-hmm. you've got to make it cool. It's just not cool enough. Not kind of run around <laughs> active enough, and it's not cool enough. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. Well said, Jamie. You know, Sue. The other the other side of it, if you will, and unfortunately, we've I'm sure we've all experienced this at some moment uh, throughout our careers, where you get sort of what I like to call an an, uh, an overzealous parent who thinks they've got the <laughs> next Annika Sorenstam or Tiger Woods or or what have you. What you know, plug in whatever player you want. And, you know, from three years old, they've got them out there, you know, schlepping the, the golf bags around and, and they've got them really, you know, integrated into sort of a hardcore program at a very, very early age and, are, and to the point where it's very aggressive. And that's not good, good either for the, for the game. You know, if you look at most other games, uh, and then I'm, I'm going to actually eventually get to a question, but if you look at most other games, whether it be, you know, baseball or football or soccer, it all starts out with something very innocent, very fun, you know, kicking the ball and not worrying about getting in a net or over a post or anything. It's just out playing with one of the, the components of that particular sport. It might be tossing the, the baseball, not worrying about gloves or what have you. And so it's a very easy, very gradual, as Peter sort of pointed out earlier. Um, but there's those out there that, that take a more aggressive route. What can we do as a profession? How can we sort of scale that back? And because the problem that it's creating is burnout. You're getting junior kids coming up there that are getting so aggressive and so, you know, in there. What can we do to sort of, you know, re-educate the population? Say, let's make this fun. Let's make it interesting. We want you to come out and play, but we want you to make sure that your youngsters are having a good time and having some fun. Yeah, I think it's a great question, and you're right. We have a lot of, um, you know, I. I teach a lot of juniors and I have a lot of players that play um, at the U S kids level and I go out and watch them play and I observe others, parents watching their children play. And I'm just amazed how, um, how not, (laughs) how the parents, like you were saying, they're just overzealous or they'll get upset if their, you know, young child makes a bad shot or, you know, I even had kids, 
uh, parents that were actually yelling at their at their own child during mm-hmm. tournaments, and it's just it's a shame. And I think that um, I think even as coaches and us as um, you know fellow professionals in the industry, it's really important that we need to communicate to parents that what is their role and, and understand what their role really is, and understand that and communicate to them that okay, your child is is going to play and remember the word play and it's a game and we're going to play a game. It's not going to be um, because you're right. What happens is all of the kids get burnt out. They're not having fun because we want kids. The reason most kids get in the game because they like it because it's fun. I mean, it's a game and unfortunately a lot of parents ruin it for them. And I think it's the most important part is, you know, set some expectations um, for the parents as a, you know, as a coach, especially when somebody's maybe you've had them uh, going through some lessons, going through helping them. And then the parent decided, well, you know what, we want to get them into us kids tournaments, for example. And I think you just need to set some expectations and then talk to them and, and create a relationship that's safe for the child. Um, You know, especially, you know, like you're, you're mentioning 11 and under because it's, it's not emotionally safe. It's not emotionally safe when the parents are uh, overzealous and I think that that's mm-hmm. one thing that we just really have to stress really um, so much with the parents and, and the kids, because you're right, they're just going to burn out and they're not going to have any fun. And when kids aren't, aren't having any fun, they don't play very well. And as we know, you know, we teach, we talk about childlike behaviors and, you know, they're, they're, um, once they lose that childlike kind of mentality, they lose their creativity. And when they lose their creativity, mm-hmm. Their skills, their skills decrease, and I think that's really, um, you know, really important to just again communicate to the parents, set some expectations, um, and and make sure that the parents really understand what their role is. Yeah, well said. Um, you know, you're you're exactly right. You know, one of the other things too that I think parents need to understand um, is that we all know golf difficult enough on its own. And, you know, <laughs> as, as adults, you know, we see um, anxiety, you know, pressure get the best of them out there. We've seen people on tour who have, you know, for lack of better words, cracked under pressure and lost a tournament. So when you're introducing your children and you're, you're sort of bringing out um, some of those aspects very, very early on and not letting them t- to develop and, and enjoy it and be enthusiastic about learning and and overcoming some of the different challenges that they're going to be faced with, because they are going to be faced with challenges. And, you know, I think that sometimes if, if we are pushing them, you know, too quickly, then uh, again, they're, they're faced um, with situations they're not quite prepared for. I mean, we go to school for a reason to be prepared um, for life. And, you know, we don't just automatically get pushed into grade 12 uh, or into university. We go through, Um, several years leading up to as we develop and the same thing is with anything you do and um, you know another area um, you know Peter that I want to touch on which is is not so much the development but it's an important factor as well you know when I grew up and and maybe some of you experienced this as well um, we didn't have the advancements that we do with with golf equipment Um, you know I I got a, a, a sawed off uh, you know, driver and I think, a, you know, seven, eight, nine iron or something, you know, from my dad when, when I first started out, um, which is not always uh, the best thing. And there's a lot of great um, 
you know, products out there that are available to the junior market. So maybe touch a little bit about equipment, about the importance of making sure that if your your kids are, are and, and again, we're, we're advancing the ball a little bit, you know, we're not so much talking about the three to, to five-year-olds, we're talking about a little bit older that have started to develop, a, um, a, you know, specific patterns of, of understanding the game. And now we're ready to sort of fit them out with, with something. There's some options out there for them. Talk a little bit about that and the importance of making sure that what they are using is going to fit their style and their body uh, at present. Yeah, I mean, we're really fortunate as coaches right now to have, you know, the U.S. kids system at our depo- at our disposal. If it's not for utilize or purchasing their equipment, you know, they mm-hmm. are the first ones that come out came out with a, you know, standardized recommendation, and this is how long the clubs are, and you know, if a family can make that investment at, at that stage, then great. If not, there's an option for them to potentially retrofit curl up clubs like they used to do for us. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, I don't, I'm a huge proponent of, you know, children having well-fit clubs, but we mm-hmm. turned out just fine, you know, with my sure. cut down set of 85 Wilson blades and a, <laughs> and a persimmon driver cut down to nothing. You know, I figured it out, yep. but I mean, I, you're right. We've advanced to a point where we have the capacity to really help kids when they've reached that point where, you know, they make a decision that they, they want to advance their game. And, you know, no matter what stage, if that's the, if that's the choice you're going to make and that's your desire, then well-fit clubs are exceptionally important. So, mm-hmm. you know, for, for my situation, I'm very fortunate to have, an ex, you know, a teammate with, you know, Chris Cody's golf shop where they, they, everybody, they have everything. They, they, they're a top 100 club fitter in the country. Like they do an excellent job in <clears throat> taking care of the person, no matter what age. So right. I think up until that point, and, you know, we do whatever we can up until that point to provide equipment for the kids. So that, you know, they can make that investment if they'd like, but if not, there's the option of, you know, still sampling golf. And, you know, when that time comes, we we facilitate the process and we make sure they're getting exactly what they need to to take that next step. But, um, yeah, I think there's, you know, going back to, you know, you're mentioning how you started and, uh, you know, I started and Mm -hmm. most of us started. There was no structured programming. It was here's some clubs that we think fit you. Here's some access to the golf course and go figure it out. Like the only, the only thing I was ever taught when I was a kid was how not to ruin the golf course, like how to fix a ball mark, how to rake the bunker, not to drag your feet on the green, play quickly. That was, that was the extent. Like, so Fortunately, I think we've really come far with understanding how certain kid, you know, kids at certain ages learn, and how equipment at certain ages and heights and points of development can really help their their growth. So it's it's great. I'm interested to see what to hear what Sue and Jamie have to say about. Yeah, I, I agree, and that was well said. And, and you know, you're exactly right. You know, you have to sort of look at each situation a little bit differently and. You know, I think it's I think it's important to make sure that um, each of your students or or the children that are getting involved 
Um, first and foremost, let's get out there, have some fun. Then when they express a little bit more of an interest, Jamie, to, to play more, then we can worry about, you know, getting the right equipment in their hands. And even if they do have to, with technology today, um, even if you have to take existing clubs and make modifications, it's so much easier, uh, again, with technology to do that today than it was, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. So um, any any thoughts that you have about equipment, um, uh, Jamie? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so how many of us grew up on what we used to call cut down clubs, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> you take a three wood or a seven iron, whatever it was, and it belonged to me, even your dad, whatever, maybe it was a steel shafted iron, who knows what it was, and you just cut it down, right, for your height. Uh, well, it took me many, and it worked, right? We did all right with it. Uh, mm-hmm. It seemed like the length was the most important thing. But I think that people should become aware, and I really wasn't aware of it until much later, that every time you shorten a club, you're basically stiffening the shaft. So, Right. And we found out that kids, of all things, kids need much more flexible staffs um, just because of their, the, the state of their you know, muscular development and, and all of that. So I think it's important that you can do cut-down clubs, and some people do that and some, to this day and need to maybe for the economics of it. But just to be aware that that happens with cut-down clubs, which is why uh, the club makers have done such a, a brilliant job of creating clubs that are designed for kids. Now, um, you know, that, you know, with, with the right uh, shaft flexibilities and lengths and those things. Uh, and, you know, you really see it in a junior clinic because often you'll have kids who have, you know, they're different ages. Maybe you've got a five-year-old and a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old and that they're different heights and et cetera. And you'll see a little kid with a, uh, an iron that fits a nine-year-old and a five-year-old, it's just really too long and you see how they struggle with it. So um, the, the, I think fitting clubs for kids' size and their strength is important. One of the things that's really cool is that there are junior sets that basically can grow with the kids because I think mm-hmm. parents all know how hard, how hard it is that you get these clothes and these shoes and the kid, kids grow fast, right? Mm-hmm. You just spend all this money and you got all right. these great these, these shoes and clothes and the kids grow out of it. Well, if you are fortunate to hand me down, that's great, but it's expensive and you can't really afford it. So it's even worse with golf clubs, which are, of course, a higher ticket item in the first place. But there are definitely junior clubs that can grow with the kids, meaning that, like if you think of a walking stick, there's different types of, you know, walking poles and things that you can you can adjust them, right? You can make them longer. You can fold them. And so you can do that with shafts. You can make them longer. You can, um, in a sense, prolong the life to a few years rather than a, a few months or maybe just one season of golf clubs. So I mean, really hats off to the club manufacturers, and they really have and are continue to pay attention to developing golf equipment that works for kids and that also works for their parents' budgets, basically. Yeah, and and that's important. That, that's, you know, another really key element to this is, you know, um, is budgeting. Uh, golf is, unlike many other sports, is a little bit more costly, and I think that's also a reason why, um, particularly if they have not, especially if the parents were not golfers themselves and haven't really had that exposure, that, that sort of burning desire isn't there as strongly as maybe, you know, what we might have experienced growing up. So when they're looking at from a cost factor, um, sometimes that can be a little bit of a deterrent as well. Um, so I want to move past that question. More, Sorry, go ahead, Jamie, real quick. Uh, yeah, just one right, more quick, quick point on that. One more quick point on that. I think for kids and adults, one of the difficulties in growing the game is that 
golf is not that easy and that fast to pick up, right? And it can become very frustrating very quickly. So especially for kids, if they're if they're struggling with a club that's way too long or way too short or too heavy or whatever, it just adds to the frustration factor. And it's, I'm sure Sue's seen this, just that we, we do these uh, free even clinics for, for kids through the LPGA and you get such a variety. You'll have, you know, 50, kids showing up for the thing. And so you're just working with all these kids and it is so obvious. It, it in a moment, the difference it makes to have a club in their hands, in a kid's hands that he or she can deal with and how, extra frustrating it is and therefore more of a turnoff if they can't even begin to manage this club or if it's too little too i've seen bigger kids have just a tiny little club and they're just like ah it just seems like a little kid's thing and it doesn't it doesn't work for them so you know in either direction but it it is really important uh, almost extra important i think kids don't have the same adaptability um and the same sort of emotional bandwidth to deal with the frustration of trying to work with a club that just really doesn't work for them yeah, and, and, you know, I was very fortunate, um, you know, once I got past my um, adolescent years, I grew very fast. and I was pretty much as tall as my father, so I was able to step into his nice brand-new set of clubs really quick, um, which he didn't like too much at the time, but but I didn't have to worry about, you know, getting too many modifications. Um, Sue, I want to move past, and I want to uh, talk about uh, another area, and and that is really – to give them time once they do get to that stage, and we kind of touched a little bit already on this, but to give them time to, to really perfect their swing. Um, you know, the key to anything in life is, is practice, and, and children, you know, are certainly notorious better at gripping a sport uh, from a very young age as their uh, attention to detail and, and perfection is, is actually greater than, you know, as we get a little bit older, um, you know, and, and they're learning the ropes. Um, so when we introduce, you know, to uh, the, the children to golf, we've got to make sure to give them enough time to practice and perhaps taking them, you know, later in the evening as an example, uh, when, you know, things are not as crowded and as busy and giving them an opportunity, uh, you know, to practice a little bit because, uh, again, that leads to the frustration. So maybe talk a little bit about that. How do we balance, you know, we, we've, we've started them off that, you know, they've, they've taken an interest in the game and, you know, they're, they see that it's fun and they, you know, they know that it, it can be challenging, but they're, they're rising to that challenge. Um, but we have to balance that. We have to make sure that they're getting enough time in to practice so that they're going to see some improvement. So let's talk a little bit about that. Well, you have to, just like any skill development, whether or not it's, um, you know, math skill or English skill, it's all about, you know, um, what are they retaining and then what are they, what are they practicing? And I think that, um, you know, with especially with golf, we all know golf is not a perfect, will never be a perfect game in the sense that, you know, it, uh, golf is not a game of perfect, as Dr. Bob Ortella always says. <laughs> um, but I think it's, um, I think it's it really important that, you know, the parents that are taking them out to practice is like, what are they practicing? You know, as we don't want, you know, the the game itself is a comprehensive sport. So it's putting, it's chipping, it's pitching, it's full swing, it's playing in the bunkers, that type of thing. And I think just like any other type of a, you know, a, a skill development, whether or not it's, you know, bunker play or having some fun in the bunker. And I mean, I have kids that we go into the, we go into the bunker and they're drawing things in the bunker because it's just, they need to have some creativity time. And then we, like Jamie was saying, it's like be creative and, 
allow them, especially the younger kids, because they want to play. They want to have fun. They want to be creative. And, and I think sometimes when the regimen of practice is too um, put in a box, I think the kids get bored really fast and then they don't want to go practice. So I think um, it's really important to make practice fun um, and, and create a, an environment that like, okay, we are going to work on something. Here's, here's our goal. You know, like I said, it might be putting or chipping or pitching or whatever. And, but just make it fun and have always then like, here's our skill development. Here's our activity. Here, and then at the end of the end of that particular practice session, let's make a game out of it, create some type of a game. So they remember it and they can anchor it and they have some type of retention and then they create that it's fun for them and rather than it's like, okay, I'm going to stand on a range and hit balls like us adults do in the wrong way <laughs> so many times because we think that golf swing is, is, is the only thing that's, that's the most important part of golf. Well, as I just think you need to teach the game as a holistic approach and um, change out the practice, uh, practice sessions so that they can have that creativity and they can have that again understanding all the different aspects of the game so i think um each of the practice sessions just like when they go to school they go to math class and then they go to english class and then they go to recess or you know physical education or whatever uh and that's how i teach it we you know we create a because uh, kids like to have you know variety and they like to be creative and they like to have fun so um you know and kind of depends on the age group a little bit too which uh, this sure. group here has been talking about um, but I think the, you know, creating a practice um, is make it fun, make it creative, but again, you know, have variety in it. Yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's critical um, really for anybody, even, even for adults. I think one of the problems that, and I think we have to remind ourselves as instructors that even though now we're, we're dealing with adults and, and I'm going to just, Peter, I'm going to just shift gears real quick for a second, then I'm going to get back to it. But, you know, this is one of the biggest complaints that we hear a lot of our uh, our students is that, you know, especially when we're encouraging them to, to practice certain parts of their game, you know, particularly the short game. Um, well, you know, I, the reason I hit my driver most of the time on the range is because it's boring, you know, chipping and putting around the, the practice green all the time. And you know, so we have to find ways of, of engaging them in, in more creative and, and fun and interesting things to want them to get out to practice those things because we know that's what scores. Mm-hmm. We know, you know, yes, hitting a great drive and, and you know, putting it out in the middle of the fairway is, is a great start, but there's many other shots that follow, or hopefully not too many, but the problem is that they're not really, um, uh, you know, they're not really enjoying that aspect of the game. And, and Peter, the other thing that I want to talk about, the, the next point was really, we've, we've already touched on this, so we can kind of bypass it, but it was really to keep it fun and keep the criticism low because this is one area, um, you know, if you want your youngster to, to get out of, of anything, I don't care whether it's a uh, golf or some other sport or even an academic um, and ever, you know, when you're hypercritical of that child, they're just going to shut down. But there's another area, too, that I think is equally important, and maybe you can touch a little bit about this, is that it has to be the child's initiative. In other words, it's okay for us to introduce them to the game, but it has to be their, um, you know, not so much insistence, maybe not the right word, but it has to be coming from them whether they choose to continue on. And this goes back to what we talked about earlier about, you know, pushing them too much. It's okay to give them a little nudge, 
um, but it really needs to be the child's um, sort of initiative to say, hey, you know, I'm really liking this dad, mom, you know, what have you, um, and I'd like to get more involved. Talk about from that angle of it, why really it's important for that to happen. It's the most important thing. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's about exposing kids, you know, your kids to whatever you might expose them to. It doesn't matter whether it's dance or, you know, it's golf or it's, you know, sports in general or it's fishing or they're going to tell you right away, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. I want to do more of that. And if it, if it happens to be golf, and we hope it is as, you know, professionals, <laughs> that really right. are, you know, here to grow the game and introduce more people, you know, great. And they're going to really take take it and run with it. And then it's really for for the people and the, the young people I'm coaching, it's it's recruiting the parents to understand how they can support their junior golfer and the growth, regardless of the, the point of development of the age, it's, you know, it's, it's really creating the first team around their, their child. You know, they, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, they're the parents of the most part, important part of the team, in my opinion. And it doesn't, as you're going and they're learning too, you know, because unless they were exceptionally, you know, they played, they started in a young age and they played their whole life and they, and if they're, if their child is progressing so well that they end up playing competitive junior golf and college golf, unless they've had that experience themselves and navigated those mm-hmm. waters as well, it's it's very difficult for a, for a parent to understand their, their own role and how they can best support their child on this sport or activity that they chose to do. So as their coaches, it's really important to, you know, just as much as you're helping the child, you're helping the family as well. Yeah. And, and that's really what it's all about. You know, you know, growing up as a, as a kid, you know, and obviously that can change once you get into the teenage years. Um, you know, we're, we're all guilty of it. Um, but, you know, I, and I'm, I'm going to speak for myself, but, you know, I enjoyed being around my parents. We did a lot of fun things and stuff. And then obviously, you know, there comes a point in time where you want to, you know, you start to have that inkling to, to branch off and do other things. But there's, you know, you, you always hope that your parents are going to make fun activities and do things that you're going to want to be a part of. And if all of a sudden they're, you know, stepping on the competitive gas pedal too quickly and it's not really something that you've initiated as a child, um, then suddenly that, you know, the fun factor goes way down. And, you know, the other thing that parents have to take into consideration is they might lose interest in the beginning. Maybe they've gone out and they've tried it a few times and felt it maybe wasn't right for them. Um, don't do the typical parent move and say, well, we went out and bought you the clubs and, you know, now you don't want to play and yada, 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 because you might be surprised a few years down the road once they've been introduced to it, and we all know this ourselves, you get bitten by the golf bug, you hit a, a couple of really good shots, and it keeps bringing you back. At some point later on, they may pick it back up again. If they don't, they don't. But I think that's a key thing, what you just said, Peter, is I think that you know you have to make it fun, you have to make it interesting, but you have to let the child sort of lead uh, a little bit um, in, in that area. Um, 
Jamie, I'm going to let you start the last uh, segment off, and then um, Sue, obviously, um, and Peter, um, you're welcome to, to join in as well. But um, and, and what I mean by this, and of course I'll explain it, is, is speaking in their language. This is the problem too in all aspects, not just golf. But you know, children need to comprehend an idea before they can really attempt uh, at anything. And as a parent or as an adult, guiding that, that particular child around a golf course as an example, um, a, a key area is, is learning patience. Um, and explaining to them, again, depending on their age, it needs to be age appropriate, but in a language that they can understand. Um, again, golf can, can be difficult on its own, and there's a lot of very challenging and, and uh, you know, uh, terminology that can be used um, that they're not going to understand. So, again, it has to be uh, appropriate for their age. But talk, uh, touch a little bit more, if you wouldn't mind, Jamie, to start off with, and then I'm going to get the other two to, to sort of join in in the discussion as well about really coming down to their level. Sure. Well, I think that this is an issue no matter uh, who we're working with, that learning styles, translating uh, language mm-hmm. concepts, what you're doing so that it it meets your student, no matter what age they are. And clearly it's a, a lot different mm-hmm. when we're talking about, you know, younger kids as your students. So, for example, like a swing set, there's an example um, where they have an image, they can actually do an activity, you can talk about it and see we go this far back, Wee, we go this far through, we come here and then we let go and we get some ex- we go faster. You know, you can talk about going faster on the way through instead of acceleration, for example. So uh, mm-hmm. these are right. these are certain things. Um, I kind of have an advantage, but others can use it to, in, in some ways. Being a martial artist, um, I, I often, even with my adults, I bring a sword, my samurai sword, not a sharp one, but um, it's very, very similar to <laughs> a golf club. Well, it is because, you know, the handle of a sword and a golf club and then the blade of the club is very similar in length and everything to the shaft of the club, then the tip of the sword, the face of the club. Well, I mean, I can't tell you, I got kids' interests so fast, they are swarming around me. All they want to do is hold the sword. And so when I, and then I uh, show them how to, like, I even have them bow to the golf club like you would bow to a sword, just sort of sheath it and draw it and, and, and uh, address the ball with it just the way you would, like a samurai taking the sword out. Um, I teach them to be ninjas in order to teach them, how do you teach kids to stand still and uh, be respectful while the other person's playing? Well, you're a ninja, you know, <laughs> don't move, don't make noise. So things like that right. that, again, make it cool. Uh, I have a whole, you know, routine about how they hold the club and address it and make a swing and complete their shot and in balance, and I've turned it into a kata. Kata is the word for martial arts. So because martial arts is, like, pretty cool, um, and I, I just sort of imported those kinds of concepts and practices into golf, well, now they're all about it. They think they're martial artists. Well, that's really cool. So, um uh, another thing is that, you know, when you think about mini mini golf, we know what that is, but uh, it's so important mm-hmm. uh, to do this with, with adults too. Make mini golf courses. What does that mean? And mini golf challenges. So let's say you've worked on a putting skill or a chipping skill. Well, so now you go around the putting green and uh, the chipping green and you set up like a, a, take two tees, make a little tee off spot and pick a certain kind of uh, chip shot or pitch shot you want to work on. And then they go and they putt. And so it's like they're playing a little mini course. And they can even create the courses, which is nice. Tell them they're golf course architects, right? They're learning how to do that. And, uh, and then they have a competition with their friends and things like that so that, you know, you engage them, you engage their creativity, and don't just tell them, you know, you set it all up and tell them to go do it kind of thing. Let them be involved in it and scale things so that it's, it's doable, it's learnable, it makes it more fun. 
And one other thing I would mention is um, I don't know if anybody's ever done speed golf, uh, which is like running Mm -hmm. and golfing. Yeah. So kids Mm -hmm. like to run. How great to incorporate, you know, sort of like fitness stations and running. So maybe you at the end of the day or when you have the kids out there on the golf course, let's say you take a hole or a practice hole and you can have them run and then stop and and make swings. Uh, Maybe you make fitness stations. They run to here uh, where you've got a little tee marker set up. They've got some fitness and I have a lot of fitness using the golf club. They do that. Then they hit a shot. They pick up their clubs. They run to the next one. So it's, again, it's making making practice um, much more fun, much more active because they've got energy. It's not like, oh, my God, they're doing this adult game that they got to stand around too much. Um, and, and incorporate fitness, incorporate running, incorporate you know, things like martial arts or whatever you can think of to do that uh, makes golf a lot more active, a lot more engaging, more creative, and scaled, and that, that turns your junior programs into something super special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly right. And and Sue, uh, just to add to that, you know, something else that, you know, has sort of crept up, um, you know, in addition to some of the, the other typical uh, games and, and, and um, programs that are available for golf, things like foot golf has, has come out where, you know, they're incorporating, uh, you know, sort of a soccer uh, type mentality. Um, and, you know, they're using a soccer ball and they're still playing it very much like a golf hole. Um, and some of the courses have actually adapted for that where they've actually got, um, you know, a, a target, if you will, um, you know, near the green and, and, you know, you're advancing the, the soccer ball the same as you would your, your golf ball. So there's a lot of different things. Um, but again, sort of learning to speak the language, if you will, of, of that particular child um, is critical. Do you want to add some, some thoughts or points to that, uh, that particular topic? Yeah, I think it's important, um, you know, like Jamie says, is create it make it fun. It's all about fun. And I think variety is really important for kids that are under 11 years of age because their attention span is short. So, you know, setting up different, um, you know, stations like Jamie was saying is really important because their attention span is short. They're learning something different. And as we all know, within schools today, our physical education programs aren't, uh, what do you want to call required or a lot of, um, you know, I have six, six to eight-year-olds that don't know how to skip or don't know how to throw a ball. So set up stations mm-hmm. and create motor, pa- help them with different motor patterns because the better we can teach them in regards to all athletic movements, in regards to motor patterns, the better that they're going to be. As we all know, golfers, you know, are athletes. And so we need to teach them um, different athletic moves. And, you know, I love what Jamie said in regards to, you know, kicking balls, throwing balls. Um, balance activities, um, you know, be creative. And, and that's where the kids love coming back because, you know, I have kids that, that come and we, we do, the first thing they want to do is we set up a fun little obstacle course and we change it every time they come so that they're doing something different because kids like the variety and they like to have fun. And, and then we're like, okay, we're going to work a little bit on, you know, throwing a ball underhand to help them with motor pattern or skipping or running or whatever it may be. So, um, you know, kids, we all know that kids need physical development activities because they're growing yeah. and every day is, everybody's a little bit different. So their motor, motor patterns are different, even though I can have two six-year-olds, but their motor patterns might be totally different and their motor skills could be totally different. So <laughs> I think it's really important to, 
to have that creativity and, and create different um, physical skills for them. I, that's a very I interesting to point. Sue, Sue, that, that's fantastic. I think that's really, really true. And uh, I just wanted to say here on my uh, little neighborhood street where I live in Truckee, uh, there's a lot of kids. And you should see during the COVID crisis, right, um, I go out for a walk, and they have, the kids have with chalk and stuff, they've made all kinds of hop, skip, and jump, and hopscotches, and mm-hmm. I don't even know what. And people yeah. keep adding to it on the street. You can go for yep. the length of about five houses on my street, and uh, people come. <laughs> you know, the kids, I mean, they do it safely, right? But yeah. they're doing all these kinds of things on their own during this crisis. So they've made their, like, their playground stuff. They've drawn on our street here. It's really terrific. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and that's, you know, and, and I think – you know, um, Peter, if I was to take away um, something very positive uh, about this uh, crisis that we're going through is I think it's forcing people to, to kind of go back to a little bit more of a basic. I mean, even though, yes, people are still going online and still looking at videos and, and you know, finding other ways of entertainment, but it's also having uh, a different effect, just as Jamie pointed out. And I want to touch on something that Sue just mentioned that was, I think, very important. Maybe you want to add some some thoughts to it. You know, because of this technological age and, and so many kids are, you know, uh, typing uh, or texting on their phones and things like that, the motor skills of a lot of these young kids coming up, their development uh, because of lack of sports uh, engagement um, are really, for lack of better words, I've noticed um, compared to sort of an equal set of their age, you know, 23 years ago, they're much more uncoordinated in some ways from a sports perspective. Um, so how do we combat that? I mean, we've got a, a generation or generations coming up that are, you know, certainly very tech savvy, very smart when it comes to that, but their motor skills are lacking. And, uh, you know, you can't just sort of put something in their hand and say, swing this when their coordination is not very you know, are there are there things that we can do to maybe help them to gain that uh, coordination uh, through some of the other prog- uh, things that, that uh, Sue had mentioned or Jamie had mentioned? I think the byproduct of what Jamie was just talking about this this crisis to them is not a this is I mean depending what age they are this is not a crisis mm-hmm. like this is no. this is no school or remote learning for a specific (laughs) period of time. I get to see mom and dad way more than I've ever (laughs) seen them before. It's, and it's encouraging (laughs) this at home community that we've been lacking for a long time now, because everyone's, all the adults are grinding. They're trying to make everything work, you know, and obviously Mm -hmm. this is very unfortunate. People are very sick. People are unfortunately dying. Sure. But, for, from the eyes of a child, this can they could end up, depending what age they are, either having this be something that's extremely tragic if they're older and a senior in high sure. school or a senior in college, or if they're younger, like, like Jamie was talking about, they could remember having a hopscotch that was five houses long, and it can be one of the most fond right. memories they have as a kid because they had dinner with their parents every night or <laughs> parent or whatever the home dynamic right. is. You, yeah, you know, exactly. Right. It really could end up being that and be such a, maybe a catalyst for these younger kids to get back to playing outside. Mm-hmm. And, and hopefully we have, they have an environment where they feel comfortable and safe that they can do that. Like it's, 
it's it's things went and for a period of time in a in a different direction than they did you know for 20 years you know when when i was growing up there was no option there i had a computer but it did nothing like right. we had internet but yeah. we had a we had a dial up modem that we had to go through AOL and it, it tied up the phone line and uh-huh. dad was mad that we were tying up the phone line and like <laughs> you know you know how that went you know now yeah. they can't they're not going to end up mom and dad aren't going to like sit there and encourage them to be on a device all day they're going to tell them to go outside and play if if they're in a safe environment or to do something you know get out of the house type of thing. And yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, hopefully. I, I think it's, uh, go ahead. Real quick. Go ahead, Jamie. Go ahead, Jamie. Oh, I was just, yeah, no, I think that that is a tremendous byproduct. It's like, you know, we're all, all we have right now is our devices and virtual reality and we're in screen time. And it's almost like we're so gorged out on it within two, three, four weeks. People have a whole new level of desire to just uh, almost the old fashioned things, right? Be out, be physical, actually have real human mm-hmm. physical contact. And so I think that it's a, you know, it's an odd, but a wonderful byproduct is that, you know, people have just had enough of technology and want the, the real physical experiential interactive stuff. So I think we're going to return to that part of our lives in a new way um, and, and relate a little bit differently. We're still going to have a lot of screen time, but it's going to be different. I think everyone's appetite is we're itching for, you know, for the real stuff in, in that regard, not just the virtual reality. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're exactly just, right. I'm going to really, en- I'm going to enjoy being able to shake someone's hand again. Never mind, Give them a hug. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, no, but it's things like that that we've taken for granted True. for so long. Right. And the yeah. day I can well, go to the grocery store without wearing a surgical mask will be a great day. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what this this whole situation that that we're we're all going through right now has has really done is it it has given us a greater obviously those of us that have grown up in a little bit different circumstances like we've talked about already sort of have an understanding, but I think it's allowing the, the, the newer generations to have a, a greater appreciation uh, for human contact. Um, because when you're isolated and you're, you know, it, you're not able to see your friends or you're not able to, to you know, to get together with, with other family members as, as easily as, as you did. Um, it's one thing, you know, it's funny because what's interesting is I've heard people say, you know, boy, I wish I could, you know, go up and hug my sister one more time or my brother one more time, but we can't because of the social distancing. But yet they maybe hadn't seen them in a month or something like that. But now that they don't have the same accessibility, um, you know, you take it for granted when you know I can go any time down the street or I can go, you know, a couple of miles, whatever it happens to be, and go and see that cousin. But now when you, when that, you know, ability isn't there, uh, it's amazing how suddenly you, you long for that. So I think that's going to come out. Um, great discussion tonight, uh, uh, gang. I think you you hit it right on the head. I think um, people hopefully will have a, a better understanding. You know, we want to we, we always talk about growing this game, and and really, you know, we want to serve the people that are already in the game, but we want to make it accessible for those um, that are maybe not traditionally uh, grown up in a golf family, and and we want to make it fun and interesting for them. So for for those coaches and and teaching pros that are listening to the show. Um, hopefully you've, you've picked up some, some things. Uh, I know 
I'm sure a lot of you already know what, what to do, but um, hopefully we've been able to, to help expand uh, a little bit more on, on some possibilities and, and how to approach this situation. And for parents out there that are maybe in a situation where you've got kids and, you know, you've thought about getting into golf, but you're not sure. And uh, again, hopefully we've opened that door a little bit uh, wider for you. So those are just some things that, that uh, I put together for tonight's discussion. Uh, what we're going to do now is uh, we're, we're going to wrap up this session. And Peter, since you're going to be coming back, I think what I'm going to do, because you'll have an opportunity to do it later, is um, mm -hmm. first off, I'm going to thank all of you for, for doing a great job in Coach's Corner. But uh, Jamie and Sue, and we'll go in that order, uh, if you want to just let the folks know if they want to reach out to you, um, and then I'll end that uh, segment. And then, uh, Peter, I know you're going to take a quick break, and, and we're going to get back on for the second half of the show. So, uh, Jamie, go ahead. How can the folks, uh, you know, uh, reach out to you if they if they want to contact you and then sue you go out go after her sure just a couple different ways my website www.kiigolf k-i-a-i golf g-o-l-f dot com i can find me that way you can write to me at jamie j-a-m-i-e at kiigolf.com you can call me i always like the phone i liked it before the covid crisis um 760-492 4653 uh golf 760 golf And uh, two things that I want to mention is that my uh, very classic and award-winning uh, golf series, uh, DVD series, is now digitized. So that will be available in about a week uh, forevermore online, which is really exciting. Um, on Monday, April 27th, so about 10 days away, um, I'm doing a special seminar for the LPGA. And it's about, it's called Where Business Meets the Green. So it's about that intersection of golf and business. It's going to be a really cool seminar. I'll post the link, Ted, if you don't mind. It's from 2 to 3 Eastern time, sure. 11 in the morning uh, till noon uh, here on the West Coast. So that's April 27th where business meets the green. And the other thing I want people to know is that I am offering online golf lessons, and I'm doing them on a pay-what-you-can basis. Um, so, you know, if you want to uh, make a, a time with me, write me an email, uh, give me a phone call, and pay what you can. And we can do some really great online. Uh, a lot of I do some great golf fitness, swing patterning, mental game, all of that, and pay what you can. Perfect, great, uh, great way to wrap it up. Um, Sue, what about yourself? If the folks want to reach out to you, and if there's anything specific that you want to uh, let the uh, the listeners know at this time. Yeah, you can reach me. Um, same thing. I, I like the phone. My phone number is four eight zero three nine two six five six three. Or you can reach me at s w i e g e r at gmail dot com. It's my best email, and my website is www.sueweegergolf.com. dot com. And you can um, any of you that need any help with uh, the mental side of the golf, I've got the number one best selling uh, golf book out there that uh, Ted mentioned earlier. It was called Golf the last six inches, um, how to change your brain, change your game. Um, and I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. So beautiful time of year right now. So come on out and, um, yeah, and I do online lessons as well. So, um, come on, come on out to Arizona. I know it's kind of like, no, but not very many people are traveling. So reach out to me if I can help you out both in the physical side or the mental side of golf. So thanks for having me, Ted. Not a problem, ladies. Thank you very much. And, Thank and, you, uh, Thank you know, you for the, yeah, yeah, for the listeners out there, take advantage of that. Get in touch with, with Jamie uh, or Sue. Um, again, they're offering online um, opportunities there to connect with them and, and uh, keep your game sharp uh, so that when we're able to get back out there and, and, uh, and actually enjoy the game, 
uh, at its fullest again, you're going to be better prepared. You're not going to be rusty. So, ladies, thank you very much, and uh, I look forward to you joining me next time on the Coach's Corner. This was thanks, great. Ted. Thank you all. Take care, everybody. Stay well. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Um, and as I said, Peter is going to be joining me um, in a little bit. Uh, back here in just a few moments. He's uh, going to stick around as my special guest for the second half of the show. Uh, but just a couple of quick reminders. Um, Golf, uh, Golf Talk Live is, um, is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Uh, iGolf Sports uh, Network is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing top quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, offering insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top LPGA and PGA uh, teacher professionals, all designed to help improve your game from tee to green. So subscribe today at golftipsmag.com. And both the print and digital version are available, and you can actually get both. Uh, There's a great deal there. Check it out. Uh, Go to golftipsmag.com. And, uh, you know, again, for those of you that maybe are joining a little bit later on in the program, uh, yesterday I had a very... Uh, a special encore presentation of Golf Talk Live. Um, normally, as, as I mentioned in the beginning uh, of the broadcast, that uh, the show typically airs 6 to 8 p.m. Central here on the blogtalkradio.com network, but I had an opportunity uh, to put together a special show, uh, uh, and my guest was, of course, uh, the legendary Gary Player, and he joined me yesterday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. So, for some reason, if you missed the broadcast and you weren't able to tune in live yesterday, uh, you can go to uh, this link, blogtalkradio.com forward slash golftalklive, and uh, you can go just scroll down the page just, uh, just a little bit to the on-demand section, and all of the shows that I've done up to this point uh, uh, will be there, but uh, Gary's uh, interview will be uh, up at the top, and uh, you can listen to it its entirety. Uh, after the end of this broadcast or maybe sometime on the weekend when it's uh, convenient for you. But um, you don't want to miss it. Gary is obviously a legend of the game and uh, just has so much uh, insightfulness uh, and and so many years of of business and what was really uh, interesting. And you'll hear this when you go and listen, but he, we talked a little bit about uh, physical fitness. And for those of you that have followed Gary's career for any length of time, you know uh, that he is a big proponent of uh, good, healthy nutrition, but also physical fitness, and it was very interesting. Uh, for those of you that aren't aware, uh, he is uh, 84 years old uh, this year, and uh, he was mentioning yesterday on the program that he uh, can still leg press uh, 300 pounds uh, at that age and uh, is still shooting uh, 72 uh, out on the golf course at that age, and uh, that's pretty incredible for uh, a man of 84 years old uh, to be able to out there and and uh, be hitting par uh, virtually uh, most of the time when he's out there playing. Uh, that that's not that's a very rare thing, and that's a testament really to his uh, his fitness uh, regime that he's been doing. In fact, he he um, at the end of the show yesterday he actually was meeting with his personal trainer. So um, just a, a very interesting, insightful interview. So I hope you take a chance. And then as I also mentioned, uh, Gary will be coming back and joining another gentleman, Steve Colton, who is the VP of Sales. Uh, and also a co-founder of Encore Golf, who uh, Gary is an ambassador for. They'll be joining me on my other uh, broadcast, The Women of Golf, which airs every Tuesdays, normally typically from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern, but uh, we're going to make an adjustment for next week uh, just to accommodate the the guys. Uh, It's going to be airing next 
Tuesday, uh, the Women of Golf Show from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern uh, Standard Time on the blogtalkradio.com network. And the link for that is blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or just type in women of golf. And that will be a live broadcast um, uh, featuring uh, both uh, Steve and, and Gary next week. So you don't want to miss that. Um, all right. Um, I see that uh, Peter's uh, ready to come back on board. Uh, after a very short break, and uh, he's very graciously uh, sticking around the second half for um, my uh, special guest interview. So let's uh, welcome back the uh, owner and director of performance for the Northeastern uh, Performance Institute, or NPI for short, uh, Mr. Peter Egazarian. Peter, welcome back. Thank you. Great to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, long time no here. Um, well, thank you again. <laughs> Yeah, thank you again, Peter, for uh, for uh, for stepping up. Uh, uh, as I was uh, mentioning to you, uh, um, you know, Gary um, filled in tonight. Uh, I had uh, originally had uh, another guest schedule, and unfortunately, with everything going on, uh, they had to cancel out. So um, Peter uh, uh, very graciously offered to uh, to give his time, and 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 I'm actually really glad because I, I planned on having you back on as a guest. Um, regardless, but um, this actually worked out very well. And I know there's a lot of things um, that you want to talk about tonight uh, because you've been uh, doing some great things. You know, you've uh, been, been teaching up in the Northeast for a long time and you've been uh, developing a, a really a new project uh, over the last year or so. And uh, you, you touched uh, on that uh, last season. Why don't you sort of bring everybody up to speed um, what it was that you did, because you were obviously doing something else uh, before, uh, obviously in golf, but uh, you decided to uh, to uh, venture into something new. So let's sort of set the, the, the groundwork, if you will, and then we'll talk about some specific things. Yeah, sure. Um, NPI really was a uh, a byproduct of, you know, really organically coming out of the work I did um, for really the 20 years leading up to it. And specifically the, the eight years, um, you know, prior to really April of last year, uh, pretty much a year ago um, this week was when my wife and I sat down and we, we said, okay, we're doing this. We're, we're moving. We're, you know, we're, this, it's time. This is a great opportunity. Um, you know, I'm from Connecticut originally. You know, I really haven't lived in the area for very long, for almost 20 years. So, um, really, the incarnation of it goes back, I would say, to 2011. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I I was working in the seacoast of New Hampshire. You know, that's the 13 miles of coast, you know, right around the Portsmouth area. Um, and I joined a, I joined just a gym down the street, you know, just cause I wanted to get in a little better shape, do whatever. Uh, there was a trainer there that, um, happened to be from, you know, Dover where, where we were living and where the gym was and, uh, just kind of moved back, you know, just had gotten married. Um, and most recently was the assistant, um, fitness director for the Chicago bears, and was with the Chicago Blackhawks and the Buffalo Sabres and, you know, just a really, you know, and he happened to be a TPI guy um, and really exposed me to, you know, that that was the initial exposure to 
to TPI and that team approach. And we teamed up for the, you know, two and a half years after we met and, you know, help, help golfers, you know, get better basically through our work together. Um, you know, I went through TPI in uh, December or January, sorry, of 2012. Um, and then we moved over to the Berkshires, you know, I spent six great years in the Berkshires and, you know, teamed up even more, you know, expanded a team, had some great people that I was, you know, collaborating with. Um, our current mental coach that's on our team, MPI, is Katrina Steady. She was actually a person I grew up knowing my entire life. We reconnected. Um, so we have, she was coming up to um, Williamstown and doing workshops for the players that I coach um, kind of t- two, three times a, a golf season. And we do maybe one event over the winter because, you know, for what I do, I coach year round. Um, And really the team organically and the concept organically came about of having uh, golf coaches, mental coaches, and not just fitness professionals, but physical, like people with a physical therapy background. Um, Mm -hmm. The, the team that's around the player to give a, a truly comprehensive, you know, full care environment. So not only with that, the, my, my team with NPI there, we really partnered with Chris Cody's golf shop was a top 100 um, golf digest golf shop and a top 50 um, in North America, golf.com club fitter. So we really have pretty much every aspect of helping a player develop and enjoy the game um, covered with, you know, two facilities in Connecticut. Um, and we'll be, you know, adding a third for 2020 here shortly. Um, and then, you know, I've re- had some other people reach out to me. And, you know, even though we're going through a crisis right now, I've taken an opportunity to grow the business even further. So, well, yeah, I mean, from comparative to what I had been doing, it's it's a lot bigger, a lot bigger to – right. You know, we have eight. We have eight coaches that work for MPI right now. Uh, they're on the team. Uh, you know, the team of you know physical therapists, mental coach, the whole thing. So. Well, what's interesting, uh, you know, really, uh, I remember when you we talked about it last year, and you said really one of the things that you wanted to do, um, and and why you know you were really passionate about, you know, moving forward with this was you you really wanted to create an environment so that uh and certainly you know for for all levels of golfers i mean as as you know what what really you've created is available to the top 1% of golfers um already mm-hmm. i mean when the players out in the PGA or LPGA tour you know they've got the mental coaches they've got the physical therapists they've got all of these different components uh you know nutritionists and all of that's available um but for for many of the other golfers out there um, you know, they're they're coming to a coach uh, for this, and maybe they're going in the gym and they're doing all things. So really, you became very creative in saying, you know what, we want to create an environment so that golfers of all levels can have the same access to that same uh, level and quality of not only some great instruction, uh, but the other components that are equally important in their own way. Uh, and you've now wrapped that up in in your product or your your brand, if you will, NPI. And that's really what you've done is you've put it all together. You put all these pieces together, 
uh, and you've developed that uh, in in your uh, in your business model. Yeah, exactly, and it's just something that made sense to me. You know, just as a as a person that you know that had you know northeast northeast golf performances. The, you know, the company that's been based out of Massachusetts still have the studio in North Adams. You know, it's an old paper mill. You know, great, I would say, learning learning experience, like having that business, growing that business to what it what it's become, you know, and and using that as a as almost like an incubator to to have that as a jumping off point because what we're doing right now might have more people involved, but we're not like, I am not doing anything or I'm not guiding anything that hasn't been done already. Granted on a smaller mm-hmm. scale and not under the same umbrella, but all the programming that is into our, you know, our, especially our private coaching our group coaching, you know, a lot of the youth programs, it's been, you know, five, six years that they've been, you know, not longer executed on. So really, you know, you see different evolutions of the same program coming out now in, you know, being executed by MPI coaches and myself. Um, So it's not like we're trying, we're not, uh, we weren't a bubblegum company trying to make candy bars or we're not, we're not, (laughs) You know, we're not doing something outside of our realm here. We're just continuing to do what we've always done and what we've done well. And I'm just most excited about the team of coaches that we've we have on our team. It's really a team because everybody does work together. Mm. You know, during this this delay here, basically, we've had you know mm. two Zoom meetings a, a week. You know, we t- we text and talk on a daily basis. Um, you know, everyone's a great, I mean, just a great person and I, and, and professional as a, as a bonus and everyone's have been such a great team player and uh, continuing to work on whatever they might be working on to be prepared to really uh, be full go once we can, you know, come out of this crisis together. It's been, it's been, my team's been amazing. Like, I mean, I can't, I can't think of it well, enough and, understand that we're going to come out of this in a better place than we, than we went into it. Right. And, and I, I couldn't agree more. And, and, you know, Peter, one of the things too, that this, you know, break is, is we're referring to it um, is allowing people an opportunity to, you know, maybe get some things done for, for an example, in your case, you know, you've, you've got your team together, you know, through a variety of different uh, technology, because right now, obviously, and I'm, I'm assuming um, that the current state right now of, of NPI is obviously you're, um, you know, you're respecting the the stay at home and and uh, you know the sort of the, the quarantines that have been put in place uh, throughout the nation, um, uh, and obviously not only for your your students' uh, safety but also for your team members' safety. So you're not able to to utilize um, to its full capacity, but you're using through technology. You're able to communicate with one another, meaning your team members and that, and, and really fine-tuning and, and, you know, reassessing and, and, and that sort of thing so that when, you know, the, the proverbial veil has been lifted, um, you're going to be even that much further ahead. Now, you're also, 
because uh, I know I, I mentioned this to you on the phone the other day, um, that you've also been sort of taking advantage of this time um, to sort of help educate through online mediums. What are some of the things that you're currently doing right now um, while you're sort of a stay-at-home um, business, if you will, um, to sort of educate uh, the people out there that are going to be involved or have been involved with NPI, and I'm obviously referring to your students. You've been doing some things I know I've seen online. Talk a little bit about some of the things you're doing. Yeah, I just the timeline of this break or delay was really preemptively um, called on my part. Actually, um, we mm-hmm. we kind of we shut down March 16th, which was way before really anything was formally right. put in place just because of the, a lot of uncertainty. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I know I was teaching, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day. I was coming in contact with a lot of people. Um, right. And I, I, you know, we have a, a our daughter's five months old, six months old. So um, sure. the, con- the concern for her was very real. And, you know, anybody else in, you know, my own well-being, um, I, you know, not mm-hmm. my, my, my team's well-being, but, um, you know, that, that day was kind of a, for me, especially a hard stop. I, you know, I, I got a text message from a friend that I really respect and um, kind of knows, knows some things. And I, it was a hard stop mm-hmm. at noon, 11 o'clock, I think, 11 a.m., uh, on the 16th, I just text everybody who was coming the rest of the day. I text everybody for, you know, text, emailed, corresponded with everybody who was coming subsequently for the next week that it was, you know, here's, we're moving to the, I use coach now um, as my mm-hmm. online coaching, you know, remote coaching platform. And I shifted everybody right. that was wanting to do that onto coach now. And, you know, I told them, listen, let's keep talking. We're still playing golf in Connecticut. It's not, it's uh, it's been deemed essential for now. Um, mm-hmm. I've played once. Uh, I, I thought it to be fun, nice to be out there. Um, different context, you know. There's no holes. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's given us an opportunity to, you know, I started the uh, the NPI podcast myself. I knew it was something I wanted to do. I've been, you know, having been a guest on your show and learning from mm-hmm. learning from you and learning from being a guest, you know, I knew it was something that was just a great way to um, discuss a lot of important topics to get an awareness out as to what we were doing as a, as a team and as a company and to really have taken these first 20 episodes to uh, highlight members of, you know, my team. Cause I, I just think they're great, right. you know, professionals and people. Uh, some of the people in my network that I just think need to be, you know, kind of recognized and highlighted and help, pe- you know, help people understand what, you know, what people do, you know, what, what, you know, what they've done, what they do now, you know, what their thoughts are, you know, there's, there's been people on the podcast so far that are on our team that never have been on a podcast and they've been professionals for 40 plus years and they have some, right. they've been most, the most accomplished you know, PGA members or whatever they, you know, whatever field they might be in, no mm-hmm. one's ever heard their thoughts or their stories. And I just, I felt as though it's been, um, first of all, on my part, really fun um, just to ask, mm-hmm. you know, leading questions to, for them to have the ability to share stories or um, just share their viewpoints and their experiences that they've had through golf. And it's, 
it's been great. I mean, a lot of positive feedback and, um, this break has allowed me to do a lot more episodes and allowed me to get it set up and really get it rolling. So I've learned a lot from you, Ted. So thank you. Well, I appreciate it. And I'm, you know, always glad to help out. And, you know, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, you know, what, what really, what golf talk live has allowed me to do is essentially the same thing um, is to, you know, be able to, to reach individuals that maybe normally you wouldn't reach and and share you know in my particular case obviously i have a a different agenda but in my case you know i i look to showcase individuals like yourself and and of course jamie and sue and many others that have been on the show and really allow them to do just as you said to share their story and their expertise and i hope that particularly through um not just the the guest interviews but the uh, coach's corner this is one of the reasons why i started it was really to allow um other professionals in in our side of the business to really exchange and share ideas with not only the audience but with each other. I mean, I've had many many guests on Coach's Corner that have said, you know, wow, I you know I, I never thought of that you know when listening to another guest. So you know, it's given us an opportunity as a group to to really share um, amongst one another as well as uh, sharing with the audience. So I I concur with you and, and I appreciate the the kind words as well. Um, so moving forward now. Um, what are some things that um, you mentioned a few moments ago um, that um, there was a, a sort of a third development, if you will. So talk a little bit about that. Obviously um, has, has is construction still going on that facility or is that slowed a little bit as a result of uh, sort of the current environments or, or is it sort of, um, I won't say full steam ahead, but is it, is it moving forward uh, as we speak? Yeah. I mean, the, the, Performance Center in Portland um, is full steam ahead. They've been working on it diligently. It's 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 a building now. It's just not a field. Uh, there's a huge building, which is actually far bigger than I thought it was going to be. Um, the the garage, the overhead doors are 16 feet tall. Like I mean, it's it's huge. Wow. The ceilings are going to be 16 feet. It's um, enormous, and I, I, it's so exciting to see it take shape because it's right down the street from our house. I drive by it all the time and they're doing something every day. They're out there. Uh, we're looking at pretty much a, we're going to come out of this crisis hopefully with a brand new performance center in Portland. Uh, Chris and his team have, you know, done an amazing job just, you know, in, in conjunction with some ideas from me as well, just getting that facility, you know, mastermind getting all the everything from permits and everything just they are mm-hmm. full steam ahead they've made incredible progress uh southington you know chris and his team have used this been myself some have used this break to really you know keep renovating the facilities you know really clean it up clean up the facility that was so neglected for 20 plus years I mean, there's right. a short game area with a bunker, you know, everything is uh, artificial turf. You know, there's a bunker there where I don't think a single grain of sand was ever swept back into the bunker in 20, <laughs> you know, three years that it existed. You know, and I went out there with a with almost a snow shovel and just shoveled everything back in. And, you know, Chris and his team really cleaned up the short game area. And, you know, there's an indoor studio that we have there and then a, you know, a cement slab that had some mats on it that, you know, was is six feet by 
you know, 50 feet long and bought a nice piece of turf, uh, just secured it down a couple of days ago. So really, and then just really using this time constructively. Uh, the third location is going to be, you know, just something that we're going to be um, really servicing a, a, a golf course in the area for 20, pretty much just 2020 to help them bridge the gap um, to a new operator. And we're just taking over the coaching and, and player development, but it, it is north of Hartford. So a lot of people that are in Western Massachusetts, um, you know, will be able to still, I'll be, I'll still be able to coach them. They'll still have some great programming. Uh, it is a public golf course that's, you know, in the, in, on the North side of Hartford and uh, we'll be doing a lot of community outreach, especially on the youth side. Uh, our junior coach is Evan Lambert. He just, um, just left Hartford Golf Club this past year. He's been with us uh, all winter, as all of our coaches have been doing great work, uh, working together on writing programming. And we have just the NPI pathway through junior golf. You know, it starts at three years old with 30 basics. We go um, at six years old, they get into Operation 36. You know, we're helping them bridge that, that gap from being mm-hmm. on the range to on the golf course starting at 25 yards from the hole. And then on the other side, you know, we have, you know, PGA Junior League. We have, you know, just a a real pathway. And then it branches off at 13. And we have the kids that want to play competitively, have a, you know, a a competitive youth program if they don't want to, and they just want to enjoy playing golf. We have Golf for Life on the other branch. And if they reach, you know, 15, 16, and they just, they still want to continue to play high school golf, but really college is college golf isn't in their future. Then they branch over to golf for life and they continue to build and really enjoy their experience playing high school golf. If they want, then at that point to continue on to college golf and they go into the junior elite program. And it really is a pathway from, and then we have our collegiate elite team for um, the kids who are on collegiate rosters that, you know, live locally or don't, you know, so really taking them from three years old potentially all the way through college on the youth side um, is, you know, we that's what we call it. And we just call it the NPI pathway through youth junior golf. And um, then from there, they can branch out into whatever a level of adult programming they want to engage with. And we can, you know, we can help them throughout their entire life. You know, that that's great. You know, that you, you've got so many options there because that's, you know, that's something, too, that, you know, and we've talked about this before on the show on, on, on Coach's Corner, that there's a lot of, and we, we touched a little bit about it tonight, you know, for parents that maybe, um, you know, don't know where to start. And, you know, you've got sort of a, a, a stepping stone for, for each evolution of, of the game. I want to talk about just a little bit, if we can, Peter, um, you know, for, for new golfers coming into uh, the NPI experience, um you know, you mentioned you've got a variety of, of different team members in that. Um, and let's say somebody wants uh, or is interested in more of a full, full coaching experience. So it's not just learning how to hit the ball and all that kind of stuff. You've got the physical components as well. Do you put them through an assessment program? And is that something that the team works together on, uh, that assessment? And obviously, you, you might do certain assessments and, and so on. How does that process? So if I was to come in as an example, as a brand-new student, um, and uh, wanted to sort of get the full experience of what was available. 
Um, give me an idea. Sort of walk me through the process. What would happen? Sure. Um, it starts with, you know, just an initial uh, contact either through the website or somebody that's uh, referred to us by um, just somebody that heard about us or an existing player. Um, it starts with a phone call. You know, it, I, I'm big on picking up the phone. I'm not, I'm not very big on exchanging emails. I, if I get an email from an interested person, uh, my next email is, you know, um, when can we schedule a short call? You know, and right. it, the phone call can be five to eight minutes, but it's it's going to really gather that needed information in five minutes instead of eight emails. And then mm-hmm. at that point, we can schedule. What we do as a team, we is we offer a a free initial meeting, basically in a in a an evaluation. And whatever team member needs to be there can can be there. So if if we're having a conversation that they're just recovering from surgery A or just had injury B and really needs, you know, to work on their physicality or they have the conversation of, well, I'm I'm getting a little older and I'm losing, you know, losing distance, you know, our physic, you know, our our physical team, Jennifer's there, I'm there, or if it's another member of our team, it's one of our coaches, and it's whatever other person really wants or needs to be there to best facilitate that person getting the care that they need to, you know, accomplish their goals. You know, so it doesn't matter whether it's a youth player, or adult player, uh, someone, uh, you know, in the older generation, it doesn't matter. It's It starts with that, that's a, no cost initial meeting. Uh, it's generally about 40 minutes to an hour, depending on what uh, the person really needs. Sometimes um, if it's really comprehensive, then we go two hours and they're going to spend, you know, 45 minutes with me, you know, take a little break and then go see Jennifer in the wellness center um, and spend whatever time that they need to spend together to get a good handle on where, uh, you know, they need to go with their work. So, um, but this, again, it's, there's no upfront call. Like we do whatever we can to have, um, at least a conversation be accessible to people. Well, I think that's important too, because, you know, a, a lot of people come, you know, when they, whether, you know, they're coming for a lesson and they, they kind of come with sort of a preconceived agenda and or sometimes they don't know what they want and i think it's good to have that um you know that dialogue with the various components again depending on what their specific needs and why they're playing and you know why they want to continue to play or if they're as you said if there's some injuries or uh, physical issues that are maybe preventing them from getting uh the best enjoyment out of that experience you've got that covered as well so let's say as an example um you've now done this assessment and let's say, you know, physically the person's fine. There might be some um, things that you might uh, or your uh, team members that are on that end of it want to um, help them with to improve certain physical areas to, to get, again, a better result. Um, now is the time, once you've done that initial consultation, you're moving forward, you put sort of a program together um, collectively and say, okay, these are things 
that we feel are are what we can work on. We're going to work on the playing side of it. We're going to work on the physical side of it, and so on and so forth. Now you put as a team, you put together a plan, uh, present that plan, uh, you know, to the students. Say, okay, here's here's the program that we're going to do. Is that essentially how it works? Yeah, we we take into fact or take into account everything, like the time commitment, monetarily, mm-hmm. what's going to make the most sense uh, for the person, right. and what going to help them get where they I, that's we say where we we're going to get you where you want to go mm-hmm. you know and talk about goals or whatever but that's the way we say it it's we're going to you're you're here we're going to help get you where, where you want to go and you know through what we've seen you know during our our you know heard our during our conversation seen what you're doing and telling us what the where the, the place you want to go this is the plan where we feel like we can best help you. And, you know, we're not, we're just, we're here to help people. We're not here to sell them a product. We're not going to try to right. hard sell them on a program that they don't really need or is going to put them in a, in an uncomfortable situation where they feel like they have to say no, because it's fiscally not, you know, feasible for them. So it's right. it, everything taken in account. It's, it's, it's our offer to help. It's, and you know the the we're, it's never really a, and it's interesting because I I use personally and I my team has really adapted it to um, there's no lessons with us it's, there's there's coaching sessions there you know mm-hmm. and every program you know from the conceptual side has a certain number of coaching sessions that are in, are included you know and you space them out however per the plan. But within that coaching program, they have up to six hours of supervised practice where they can come be with one of our coaches, if not myself. You know, it's a two-hour block. You come for as long as you want. You're working on We have stations that we rotate through. And it's all included in your program. Mm -hmm. And there's not an additional expense to it. It's about the player having a structured practice environment where they are working mm-hmm. on together with their the coach that they have and working on all aspects of their game. Like, especially in Southington, we're really fortunate to have a putting green short game area, you know, a couple track men, you know, in a great facility on one place. And we can really cycle everything through just as, you know, you, better than being at a golf club, really. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really that environment that we set up where it's, you know, if it's the conceptual side only, you know, they're working on their concepts and their mental game and, you know, all of these things that you're working on in session in addition to, you know, if you can only come for a half hour a week, great. I have some people that come for, you know, four of the six hours that they potentially could come to because they want that level of of engagement and those supervised practice sessions become very organically a community in themselves because it's a lot of like-minded people who just are there to improve and it's all different levels. And then, you know, a lot of times the better players end up, you know, helping some of the players that are, you know, at the beginning of the process, basically. And people, some people that I've been coaching or people have been coaching for a long period of time, you know, two, three years, they're very familiar mm-hmm. with the process, the improvement process and have gone through it and have seen 
uh, have benefited from it. They're, you know, they're communicating with people who are kind of in the beginning stages of the process. Um, and it's, it's very fun to see people become friendly and, you know, become friends and play golf together that, you know, met each other at these supervised practice sessions. Well, what's unique really, Peter, uh, about NPI is that, you know, typically when we think of golf instruction or uh, even coaching, um, typically I think one of the, one of the problems that, that used to be this way was, you know, somebody would, would, would come out and, well, we're going to, you know, book you five lessons or we're going to do that. And, you know, really many of the other components that you've talked about weren't there um, or they would have to go somewhere else. And like I said, maybe work with a personal trainer uh, at their gym. And it wasn't always really in conjunction or, or, you know, sort of melted together with an overall plan. It was sort of, you know, I hate to use the word cherry pick, but, you know, they would have their lessons over here for golf and then they would have this over here. And it really wasn't sort of a, um, a, a consorted effort. And I think really what you've done here is you've said, okay, golf is not just about striking the ball solidly and it's not just about, um, you know, executing uh, the proper stroke. There's other components. There's the mental component to the game. There's the physical component to the game. And there's, there's other things as well. There's strategy and so on and so forth. So really what you're doing with your team is you're able to, again, obviously everybody's situation varies, um, but you're able to offer a sort of an all-inclusive program to say, hey, if, if this is what your objective is, if you're coming in as a junior and you're having aspirations of playing high school and, and uh, you know, collegiate golf and, and whatever happens after, then you can put a specific plan together at NPI um, that is going to help them to achieve those goals. And um, conversely, if, you know, you're getting somebody that's even further developed, um, you know, you can again, take them to that next level. Or if somebody just wants, um, as you said, it's more of a lifestyle. It's not necessarily that they want to get into high comp uh, um, competition. Um, maybe they want to make it a game for a lifetime, but they just want to get better at it. Then you can customize something for them that can help them achieve that that's falling within their budget too. I would say, Ted, the, the thing that we have like overall that, and you're exactly right. You're exactly right. It's, it's, there's a, there's continuity. There's a, there's a, a really, a, a comprehensive like plan, really a widely held ambition to help people. Like that's the wide, widely held value mm -hmm. of helping people through everybody on the team. And that was the prerequisite to be even considered to be on the team. Is that to have an overwhelming desire to help people doesn't matter if it's golf or not. If they need a ride somewhere, right. they need a ride somewhere. It's, you know, it's, but the one thing that we, you know, are doing here from the competitive side that really nobody else and especially the Northeast is doing is we, we're one of the few places that has a competitive men's and women's elite team that not mm. only is like I coach it, we have one of the best players in New England history and Kyle Gallo, who is, he's won every state open in New England. He's, you know, he missed the PGA tour by a shot. He was on the nationwide tour for five years. It's like, he's a great, and on top of being a great player, he's a great coach. He's a great person. So you're, 
not only working with myself, but you're really working with Kyle and he's sharing his experiences and guiding the process from the inside. And I mean, where can you go be with other competitive people that play at the state and national level and really develop your game and have this kind of resources? Like right. we talk about introduction when we want, you could talk about the free, you know, the free classes that we beginner classes we do for people who are just looking to get into it. But when you look at the competitive side of it, we're offering this comprehensive experience in a group environment with other competitive people that is very structured down to the point where there's, there's tiers and pods and then people train within likability. Like if you play at a national level, you're, you're training with other people that train at, that play and compete at a national level. If you're a person that is competitive at the state level, you're, you're training with other people that are competitive at the state level. If you're a club player that's competitive, you're playing with your, you're training and, and, and really developing with other people that are competitive at the club level. It's, it's designed this way. It's exceptionally structured. And I just think Kyle brings a whole dynamic to it. Uh, in Southington, you know, Ron Beck's the director of golf coaching him and I are doing it in Portland together. It's, that alone is very different than anything that's being done, especially on Northeast. There's on the West coast and in the South, there's a lot of clubs that are on the higher end that all have elite teams. They travel, um, they, they play each other. It's something they, like I got exposed to it uh, at Taconic when somebody was there from the, the Olympic club elite team. Um, and mm-hmm. she, she told me all about it and I was, that's fantastic. That's, Right. And I've just taken what, what a lot of these upper-end clubs are doing and really bringing it again, like you're talking about, bringing it to everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing, is that's really the key is, you know, nowadays we're in a, in a unique position um, in so many ways with what we've learned as we've progressed along in, in, in every profession, but, you know, uh, particularly, you know, we're talking about golf, but is we're able to take some of the the key components of you know making a a more competitive player and a better player and understanding what it really takes you know again for for many many decades you know it was a very um sort of simplistic process um you know 20 30 40 years ago but now through advancements not just in technology but advancements in understanding of what it takes to become uh, a, a highly competitive or a top player, you're now able to offer that to um, a much broader, um, you know, it's not just for the top 1% anymore. It's now available really to anybody that wants it. And, and again, through customization, you can make it affordable um, to everybody as well and do other things, you know, not just about competition, but other things as well. So I think that's fantastic. Um, Peter, I see we're getting close. Believe it or not, I can't believe both hours went by so fast. Um, <laughs> but I want to give you an opportunity. Yeah. We have good conversations. But, uh, yeah. That's good. Well, that's, that's true. Um, but I want to give you a, a few minutes to do two things. I want you to, first off, mm-hmm. um, let the listeners know um, for the time being, obviously they're not able to get out as much as they want to, but they can still be in touch. They can be, you know, looking at uh, some of the information. Um, tell them how they can 
uh, where they can go to get more information about NPI, and then also if they're interested in, in taking advantage of some of the opportunities with online coaching and stuff uh, right now, um, how they can go about doing that, what's the best way, and then um, how they can reach you. Yeah, thanks Thanks for having me on, Ted, and I'm glad I could fill in here. Mm-hmm. Um, people, they, if you visit the website, it's gonpi.org. Um, all of our programming is right there. You know, you can pick first which location. Uh, Portland's in the eastern part of the state. Uh, Southington's in the, a little more in the western part of the state, but they're both very centrally located in the state of Connecticut. If you want, if you see a program there, there's a contact form on every page. You can reach out. That goes to me directly. Um, and I try to get back in touch with people as quickly as possible. Uh, if you'd like to reach out uh, via email, it's just peter at gonpi.org. Um, if you'd like to give a call, the phone number is 860-996-0800. And if I happen to answer, just please leave a message, and I'll be back in touch with you very quickly. But uh, if you're very, if you're interested in taking advantage of the um, the remote coaching right now, I know some people are still playing golf or you know your homework on your game. Uh, send me an email again. That's Peter at gonpi.org. Uh, and then we'll, we can, I'll send you an invite. We can communicate and we can work out some kind of an arrangement where I can push you remotely for the time being. And if you happen to be somebody that is interested in a in a coaching relationship, we can we can have an initial conversation. And then once we come out of this, we can get together and and make a plan together. But again, Ted, thanks a lot for having me on. I appreciate it very much, Peter. As always, it's a pleasure. And uh, just very quickly, when um, you've got the other facility, uh, you said going to be coming online uh, at some point this year. Do you have any? I mean, obviously, you know, given our current situation, do you have an understanding of when you anticipate that to uh, uh, to, to be completed? Yeah, our the golf club or golf course we're going to be servicing will be the third location. Uh, that'll be the uh, pretty much end of May. Uh, beginning of June, and I think that's a realistic time for anyone coming out of this. Um, at least from their standpoint, you're dealing with. Right. Um, but the facility in Portland looks like middle of May. That's going to be fantastic. We're working on uh, details for uh, open house and grand opening and all of these things that are really exciting to do and very fun. Um, Southington, um, I'm not sure when it's going to reopen, but it is a, just a, it is a, double-decker driving range that, you know, driving ranges are allowed to be open right now. Um, it was, mm-hmm. it's been closed for roughly three weeks as a precaution. Um, mm-hmm. and just for the safety of the people who would be, you know, patroning the, the facility. Sure. Um, I think that's going to be reopening sooner rather than later, actually, with a lot of precautions being taken. Uh, our coaching looks like it's going to uh, potentially get back online as soon as non-essential businesses are allowed to operate. Some of my players, I, you know, work on them a little bit while we're playing. Um, right now, you know, you could give some lessons with some social distancing, but and I think for the sake of everyone's safety, we're just going to hold off and, and work, you know, remote coach. Basically, I've been remote coaching everybody I, I was working with over the winter and have been working with. Uh, you know, setting up a relationship with some new people. Um, but my coaching coming out of this is going to evolve to 
uh, I'm, I'm going to continue to work with the people that I have been coaching. Um, I'm very unlikely to be taking new people myself from my own coaching programs uh, just because this the business has become uh, something that needs my attention as well and my team needs my attention. Right. Frankly, my family needs my attention as well. So the days of coaching 10 to 12 hours straight a day are pretty much <laughs> Yeah, well, welcome to the club. Yeah, I know what you mean. I was, but All right, well, Peter, thanks. I was doing that. I mean, it was crazy. I know, I know. Yeah, it comes a point you have to to reassess and you have to prioritize, and that's not always an easy thing mm-hmm. to do. But uh, it sounds like you've got a a, a great uh, thing going. Well, Peter, thank you very much. As always, uh, again, thanks for uh, uh, always participating on Coach's Corner, and thanks for being uh, uh, my special guest this evening as well. And I'm excited once, uh, you know, the dust settles or clears, if you will, um, I'm going to make a point of coming up and, and, uh, and checking everything out up there in, in uh, your neck of the woods. So um, we'll, we'll talk again real soon about that. But until then, um, have, a, have a good uh, weekend and uh, be safe always. And I look forward to you uh, uh, coming on again uh, next time on Coach's Corner. Thanks, Ted. You as well. All right. Bye-bye. All right, that was my uh, very special guest and also a uh, team member on the Coach's Corner panel, Peter Agazarian, uh, the uh, owner and director of performance for Northeast uh, Performance Institute, uh, or NPI for short. And uh, I believe the website is gonpi.org, and you can find all of the information, including uh, their contact information if you want to learn more about um, some of the programming. And and, uh, also, uh, you can reach out to Peter there as well. Uh, about uh, some of the remote coaching uh, that's currently uh, available. But uh, uh, I'm sure they'll be giving updates on the website as far as the facilities are concerned when uh, they'll be reopening, uh, you know, after uh, this particular is uh, behind us. But um, a great guy, always a pleasure having him on the show. And also I want to thank Jamie uh, Leno-Zimron and Sue Weger for for also uh, coming on this morning or on the, uh, sorry, you can tell I'm getting tired, on the uh, first part of the show with uh, Coach's Corner alongside Peter. So thanks, uh, gang, for for doing a great job always. And uh, don't forget to tune in uh, next Tuesday on the Women of Golf at 10 a.m. Eastern uh, for a uh, a special um, edition of the Women of Golf show with my good uh, friend and co-host, LPJ professional Cindy Miller, as uh, we welcome um, Gary Player and uh, Steve Colton. Uh, to the show. It's going to be a great show. And again, um, just to remind everybody, if you missed uh, yesterday's uh, special broadcast uh, of Golf Talk Live featuring uh, the legendary Gary Player, uh, you can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live. Once you get to the page, just scroll down to the on-demand section and you'll see uh, the link there for the recorded version. You can listen to the show in its entirety. It was a a very uh, good interview. I think you'll enjoy um, uh, the, the show. So, Um, Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, God bless. Be safe out there, and I will see you next week right here on Golf Talk Live. Thanks for listening to this evening's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. Remember to tune in each week at blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live. If you can't join us live, check out the on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts or listen on any of the following social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course, Spotify. To get updates on future shows and upcoming guests, be sure to visit the show's Facebook page, Golf Talk Live Blog. 
You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO. Remember to join me live each week for another great broadcast of Golf Talk Live. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.